Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship. And a special welcome, as always, to the members of our families and our friends who are joining us from across the country and around the world. Our service this morning will be led by our Minister Katrina, but we'll also hear the voices of Adi, Pirio, Stuart, Moji, Nasi, Sal, Sylvia, Elham, and Talash. And at the start of our service, Adi, Esther and David will be lighting a candle. And if you'd like to do the same where you are, please have a candle and matches ready. We'll be singing along with recordings of ourselves again. So we'll hear Paul F and Leo on piano. At the end of this service, we'll take a 15 minute break before coming back together again for our AGM and church meeting. Please do stay if you can for these short but important meetings. Then at 7pm, we will gather for evening service on Zoom, when we'll be joined by friends from neighbouring churches. This service will be led again by Katrina, and it will be a communion service. So if you're planning to join us, please have something ready to eat and drink. Then two pieces of family news. We were very sorry to hear that Paul H's sister, Christine, had died on Friday. Although Christine lived in London, she'd been worshipping with us during lockdown, and it was really lovely to see her week by week until very recently. Please remember Paul and his family, as well as Christine's children and grandchildren in your prayers this week. And we want to say congratulations to Anita and Neil, who celebrated their silver wedding this week. We can't celebrate with them today because they're not with us, for the very good reason that they're away celebrating their silver wedding anniversary. But next time you see them, don't forget to wish them well. Next Sunday morning, we will gather for a worship on Zoom at 11am and again at 7pm. These are all our notices. We gather for worship. Let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day. Thanks very much, Adi and Esther. I think you can escape now. Our call to worship this morning comes from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord says, shout as loud as you can. Tell my people Israel about their sins. They worship me every day claiming that they are eager to know my ways and obey my laws. They say they want me to give them just laws and that they take pleasure in worshipping me. The people asked, why should we fast if the Lord never notices? Why should we go without food if he pays no attention? The Lord says to them, the truth is that at the same time you fast, you pursue your own interests and oppress your workers. Your fasting makes you violent and you quarrel and fight. Do you think this kind of fasting will make me listen to your prayers? When you fast, you make yourself suffer. You bow your heads low like a blade of grass and spread out sackcloth and ashes to lie on. Is that what you call fasting? Do you think I'll be pleased with that? The kind of fasting I want is this. Remove the chains of oppression and the yoke of injustice and let the oppressed go free. 
Share your food with the hungry and open your homes to the homeless poor. Give clothes to those who have nothing to wear and do not refuse to help your own relatives. Then my favour will shine on you like the morning sun and your wounds will be quickly healed. I will always be with you to save you. My presence will protect you on every side. When you pray, I will answer you. When you call to me, I will respond. If you put an end to oppression, to every gesture of contempt and to every evil word, if you give food to the hungry and satisfy those who are in need, then the darkness around you will turn to the brightness of noon. And I will always guide you and satisfy you with good things. I will keep you strong and well. You will be like a garden that has plenty of water, like a spring of water that never goes dry. Your people will rebuild what has long been in ruins, building again on the old foundations. You will be known as the people who rebuilt the walls, who restored the ruined houses. morning a lot of what we're going to be hearing is taken from resources provided by the United Reformed Church and the Baptist Union of Great Britain and this prayer comes from the URC material so let's pray together thank you Lord that you see us for who we are not what we are what we are is young or old strong or weak 
rich or poor, black or white, male or female. But you see us for who we are. So thank you, Lord, for seeing in us more than what we are. What we are can be defined by our place of birth, our faith belief or our tradition, or how we look. But you see us for who we are. So thank you, Lord, for seeing in us more than what we are. Who we are is made by you, with you in us and us in you. Shaped by love to live and grow, to be your peace with words of hope and healing hands. Thank you, Lord, that you see us for who we are, not what we are. Forgive us, Lord, when we see people for what they are without knowing them for who they are, and so miss you in them and will never know which one you were. Open our eyes, Lord, to see what you see, because what people are can hide who they are. Amen. Isä meidän, joka olet taivaassa, pyytetty olkoon sinun nimesi, Tapahtukoon sinun tahtosi myös maan päällä niin kuin taivaassa. Anna meille tänä päivänä meidän jokapäiväinen leipämme ja anna meille meidän syntimme anteeksi. Niin kuin mekin anteeksi annamme niille, jotka ovat meitä vastaan rikkoneet. Äläkä saata meitä kiusaukseen, vaan päästä meidät pahasta, sillä sinun on valtakunta ja voima ja kunnia iankaikkisesti. Aamen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Discipleship is a big conversation across all churches. We're all wrestling with what it means to be people walking in the way of Jesus. We're exploring the holy habit of discipleship in our renewed and renewing search for what it means to be followers of Jesus. This same yet new Jesus invites us into a journey of fullness of life for all. This fullness of life invitation asks what discipleship as anti-racist living might look like. Discipleship as an anti-racist habit invites us to examine how racism and its related injustices operate in systemic ways. Are we able to move beyond the good intentions of resolutions and statements? An anti-racist habit is the practice of identifying, naming 
challenging and changing the values and structures that perpetuate systemic racism. The holiness aspect of this habit invites us to ask honest questions such as, what about power imbalances, disparities, privilege, whiteness, and exceptionalism of all sorts? What about our precious theologies often hide and propagate racist actions and privilege? Discipleship as anti-racist living is a proactive way of seeing and being in life. It is an invitation to share in the transforming economy of fullness of life for all. Thinking about whiteness by Reverend Sadie Hall from the You Have Seen Resource for Racial Justice, Sunday 2020. Reverend Sadie Hall is the Minister of Gleadness URC in Sheffield. The church website say, We are a welcoming, lively church. Our mission is to serve the community through God's love.
see right this thinking about whiteness is a real challenge i am not sure how it will go down from the pulpit i believe people need to hear about whiteness in conversation where they have time to reflect on what it means to be white why is it why people automatically take up the position of power why should they study other groups why they themselves have not subjected to the same screening why people are not used to be grouped labeled or having their behavior called into question for many white people why is the norm this is because white have been invisible for years to be sure, the generation in our congregation will find it difficult to take on board. We have spoken about this issue all too often. Yet, still the quote from Marcus Garvey may be too strong, too in your face, and how spoken for many. Perhaps we should rather approach this issue as a series of studies, taking each issue separately and examine why each lead to such strength of feeling. I think that whiteness is so embedded in this culture that white people may take that this message from the pulpit as a threat to their humanity. I strongly believe that with all the attention currently be given to people of older skin color, that we might get an adverse response. White people may begin to feel that they are in the minority and, they, and that they need to be pushing back to ensure they have their voices heard. I am sure that research will support the fact among the reasons why certain political parties are popular is because some disaffected people in our society feel that their country is being overrun by non-whites. All too often, our churches are a mirror reflection of our society. Then there is my favorite emotion, another possible outcome. Maybe that white people totally get it. They may even face up to selfishness and guilt. Imagine white people sensitized to their whiteness, knowing their history and unracial justice, Sunday truly repenting of this deeply embedded structural sin. So despite all my reservations, I think whiteness is a topic that needs to be addressed.
Praise the Lord. Happy is the person who honors the Lord, who takes pleasure in obeying God's commands. Light shines in the darkness for good people, for those who are merciful, kind, and just. Happy is the person who is generous with their loans, who runs their business honestly. A good person will never fail. They will always be remembered. I'm reading Corinthians 2, 10 to 12. God's Spirit searches everything, even the hidden depths of good purposes. It is only our open spirit within us that knows all about us. In the same way, only God's Spirit knows all about God. We haven't received this word spirit. Instead, we have received the spirit sent by God. That we may know all that God has given us. Matthew chapter 5, 13 to 16. Jesus said, you are like salt for the whole human race. But if salt loses its saltness, there is no way to make it salty again. It has become worse, worthless, so it's throughout and people trample on it. You are like light for the whole world. A city built on a hill can't be hid. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. Instead, it's put on the lampstand, where it's given light for everyone in the house. In the same way, your light must shine before people, so that they will see the good thing you do and praise your Father in heaven.
An apology and a reflection from the British, uh, sorry, from the Baptist Union of Great Britain resource, Lest We Forget. In 2007, the Baptist Union of Great Britain Council made a formal apology for its part in the enslavement of black Jamaicans. Since then, it has been making a slow and not always successful journey to address the complex topics of racial justice and anti-racism. Reflecting on the apology a decade after it was made, Doreen Morrison, an independent researcher and author of Slavery's Heroes, George Leal and the Ethiopian Baptists of Jamaica, 1783 to 1865, and a member of the world of the Baptist World Alliance, Heritage and Identity Commission, writes this. When the apology was issued in 2007, I think that the knee-jerk reaction of many British Jamaicans was to ask, how can I be thankful for an apology which simply celebrates the ending of the slave ships crossing the Atlantic and not slavery itself? Now, having been asked to respond theologically, deeper reflections leave me sitting angrily like Jonah in a repentant Nineveh. No, I'm not angry that there has been repentance, gladly seeing that the church accepts its part in knowingly benefiting from the fruits of slavery, paid for by approximately 60 million Africans, but rather because the apology makes a direct link between slavery and racism. Slavery was a regime first tried on the Irish, who because of their inability to endure the harsh conditions were replaced by Africans. So history records that slavery was not primarily about racism, but oppression. So why do we associate it with racism? Life is more often, more often than not gray rather than black or white. So whilst I agree that Baptists were complicit as they ministered in the then British colonies of North America and the Caribbean, accepting the status quo regarding slavery until 1832, it has to be acknowledged that it was the British Baptists in America who, who God used in the 1700s to raise up a cadre of African Baptist leaders who worked tirelessly to lead the charge for emancipation in Jamaica. So I believe that the apology should be acknowledged and lifted high those pioneering Baptists, black and white, who stood out against the crowd. Matthew Moore, George Leal, George Lewis, George Gibb, George Vineyard, John Gilbert, Stephen Cook, Thomas Nicholas Swiggle, and others who led the drive for emancipation. Do you know who they are? Sadly, I think many will not. But if you knew them, you, like me, would welcome the opportunity today to meet the descendants like those of Thomas Birchall, to thank them for the selfless sacrificial giving of their life for Jamaica. Racism was in fact a legacy of emancipation, identified by William Nibb shortly after the ink had barely dried on the Emancipation Proclamation. In 1839, he reported that a new law had been introduced which makes the distinction of complexion the rule for the measurement of punishment. This racism increased after 1847, the death of Nib and Birchall, supported by subliminal messages contained in popular books, Jane Eyre and Wuthering Heights, and the writings of Enid Blyton. 
It was then embedded in the British psyche by the introduction of the Enlightenment and Evangelicalism. Together, they confirmed Western notions of possessing a superior culture and therefore the proper way to be church through right thinking, believing, living, and dressing. So prescribed for Caribbean Christians was the English language, the organ, hats, suits, and shoes, and out went patois, musical instruments, clapping, dancing, modest dress, all of which had been central to African Jamaican worship for over 80 years. Some of us will probably recall a car insurance advert from about 15 years ago that had the punchline, you don't have to be posh to be privileged. You don't have to be posh to be privileged. And as we come to the complex topic of racial justice and anti-racism, I think this statement is a helpful starting point for those of us who are white. Because white privilege, the taken for granted norms that go with being white, are there whether we are posh or not, whether we are well-educated or not, whether we're rich or not. Yes, it is true that there are wealthy, well-educated and successful people who are not white, who enjoy privileges that some white people do not or may not. But whether we like it or not, being white gives us advantages and privileges that we may never recognise or think about. This is arguably most significant and least recognised in the everyday taken for grantedness that goes with being white. What do I mean by that? Well, here's one example. I'm going to hold some things up. Um, hope that you can see them. A pair of splints and a compression glove supplied to me by the NHS. You see, if you go to a hospital or a doctor in need of treatment for something that requires a splint or a compression garment, the default will be to give you one in a kind of tan colour designed to emulate white skin. Something that I'd never thought about until I was alerted to the insidious and subtlety of white privilege. You can get them in other colours, but you have to ask for them and often they have to be ordered in. 
white privilege white privilege means you don't have to think about whether this is for me or not whether i'm included or not and that can result very often in an unconscious bias so neutral or skin tone undergarments are usually beige hair accessories lipstick they're almost all designed for and targeted to white western women and i'm afraid men don't get away with it either most barbers are skilled in cutting the hair of white men and a lot of clothes for men are in colors that are designed to complement lighter skin tones but it goes further than just clothes and hairstyles there are all sorts of things of course that lead to injustice we might perhaps i might as a woman say well it's harder being a woman it's harder being somebody who grew up working class i might say it's harder being single other people may say it's harder being gay or trans and these things are true but just imagine being a person whose skin color is not white there is a double whammy then of being a black woman a trans black woman a woman with disability or a man with disability who is black these double and triple whammies are things that we as white people won't experience and that could be hard to hear i get that it's not comfortable we kind of squirm a bit in in our chairs jesus said his followers were to be like salt and if salt loses its saltiness it's worthless and thrown away and this always puzzles me because chemically salt cannot lose its saltiness it's going to be sodium chloride whatever you do to it but of course it's not meant to be taken quite that literally is it and sadly i think the church can and often does lose its saltiness its call to savor and save the earth the resource material from which i i've worked today challenges jesus followers to see anti-racist living as part of true discipleship as part of what it means to be that salt and light in this world one of the difficulties it's really easy to do some things um i've walked around glasgow in recent weeks and seen lots and lots of black lives matter posters up in windows it's quite easy to do that i've liked and shared posts on twitter and facebook that speak into black lives matter that's easy too doesn't cost me very much so it's really difficult to move beyond the kind of tick box makes me feel good exercise to do the work, real work of anti-racist living I'm very privileged. I know a small number of black Baptist ministers. Predominantly it has to be said in England but also some in Scotland. And in recent weeks since the tragic death of George Floyd, they have got more than a little bit fed up of white ministers and white churches saying, "Well, come and tell us how it is for you. Come and make us feel good that we white people have listened to you black people 
And they're rightly fed up because it's us expecting the people who are not white to do the work for us. If you remember back to the introduction I read, it talked about um, preaching and it talked about Bible studies. And, and those are good, but there can be a danger that we expect the minister to do the work for us or the Bible class leader to do the work for us. But actually, it's something we all have to do. The truth is you can't do it in a sermon. I can't do it today. I can only just spark a few thoughts. Can't do it in a Bible study properly. Can't do it in an academic setting. It's actually a long work of listening and understanding unpalatable truths. Really listening to the voices of people who are black or brown or minority ethnic in a different way challenging the structures and systems that perpetuate injustice and then we start to become salt and light again and we will get it wrong i get it wrong regularly but one of the things that the black people i've been in conversation with recently and people of other color that i've been in conversation with recently ha have shown me is that they'd rather i had a go and got it wrong than that i did nothing and the grace I've been shown when I've opened my mouth just to change feet has been incredible. And I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful to those who've participated this morning because you know what? There was some white privilege going on there. I got the resource material. I chose which bits we read. I chose who I asked. People worked with me in my faltering attempt to start to think about this complicated topic. A couple of weeks ago, Beth very helpfully shared a poem with us by Clint Smith from a few years back. And it reminded us that we might not live to see the fulfillment of that for which we hope. But that's not an excuse to give up and, and not do anything. Rather, it's almost a motivation to keep on hoping, to keep on doing it. The lifetime's work of anti-racist living is a very vital and important part for all of us of being a disciple of Jesus.
our prayers for others this morning have a response which i think is printed on the service sheet uh, please don't open mics otherwise it will get very messy but when i say the words lord in your mercy you are invited if you'd like to to join me in saying hear our prayer so let's come to god in prayer together god who gives us the rainbow light diffracted to reveal its multicolored heart we come to you in prayer for the world of which we are but a small part. As we do, we recognise our need to confess our faults, failings and regrets. Some of us have been blissfully unaware of the privileges we enjoy, especially those denied to others whose skin colour is as different from our own. We name this now and are sorry. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Some of us have known and understood something of the demands of anti-racist living and have been too embarrassed, too fearful or too preoccupied to act. We name this now and are sorry. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Some of us have felt satisfied that we are among the good guys, that who we are and what we do is enough. We name this now and are sorry. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. All of us are called to a life of discipleship to a way of living that names and challenges all forms of discrimination and injustice. Today, you call us afresh to the work of anti-racist living. We name this and offer our own yes, however tentative that may be. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You have blessed our congregation with a wonderful diversity of people. We delight in our sisters and brothers whose skin is black, brown, olive and white, whose hair is curly or straight, long or short, and who themselves are tall or short, young or old, gay or straight. Today, you call us not only to delight in the outward diversity, but to the work of building deeper, more authentic community in which everyone is valued equally. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. From our weekly prayer diary, we lift to you Jen, Andrew, Carl and Aidan, Elaine, Graham, Freya and Sarah, John E., Jeff and Carol, Karis, Ed P, Fiona and Donnie, Barbara and Ken, Edith F, Isan and Anis. In their joy, encourage them. In their struggles, uphold them. In their living, guide and strengthen them. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And the apostle reminds us that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And so today we rejoice with Neil and Anita as they celebrate 25 years of marriage. And we weep with Paul H and family as they mourn the death of Christine. In their different circumstances, hold them safe in your embrace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our Scottish Baptist family, we lift to you Lighthouse Church Preston Pans, Linwood, Lochie and Lochgilphead churches, each with its own unique and beautiful mix of people, each seeking to be disciples in their own community with their own challenges and opportunities. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Those who serve with BMS World Mission around the globe return to the UK periodically to rest, reflect and be refreshed. They also share what they've learned with and from those in other lands and other cultures where they have served. And so we pray for all on home assignment. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our world where the COVID pandemic continues to spread rapidly, bringing suffering and death to people of all nations. Where systemic injustice and institutionalised racism seem to prosper unchallenged. And where there is so much of which to repent and from which to be healed. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Words fail us, but we cling to the promises that Christ is our high priest and that the Spirit is our intercessor. And in their names we pray. Amen.
God of righteous dreaming, give us an enlarged imagination to dream new possibilities, to imagine a world where transformation will happen, where creation is mended and restored, and where exiles and strangers can find a home and live in peace. Give us overwhelming and extravagant hearts so that our whole lives may be full of and mirror your dream and promise of goodness and abundance. Amen.